Hey, it's Cody Woodard, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this message encourages you and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. And thank you so much for being here. Can I pray for you? Father, thank you so much for meeting us here today. God, thank you for making yourself available to us. And so God, today, may we make ourselves available to you. God, I thank you that there is no other name, there is no other way than Jesus and Jesus alone. And so God, I thank you for loving us so much that you would send your son to die on the cross in our place and for our sin so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be free, so that we can be made right with you. God, today I pray you would move in a mighty way. God, in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of worry, in the middle of moments that are so overwhelming, as we fight off the negativity and the anxious thoughts and the lonely places, God, we ask that you would help us not fix our eyes on our circumstance, but fix our eyes on you. So God, today we didn't come just to go through the motions. We came to have an encounter with you. So God, remove distractions from this place so that we can hear you clearly so that we can see you for who you are. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Hey, put your hands together if you love Jesus. Make a little noise. Hey, say hi to somebody before you sit down. Give them an air five, a hug. Don't be kissing nobody. Well, man, I'm fired up to be here. Today is a special day because at the end of today, we have about six to seven people getting baptized. Come on. Who's excited about that? And uh, it really is a special, uh, a special Sunday. We're not in the series right now, um, but I've really just been praying and asking God like what, what he wants for me to communicate specifically today. And, um, and about two weeks ago, I found myself uh, in my truck praying out loud, just like really frustrated, to be honest with you. And, uh, and I just began thinking like, God, what do I say? Like out of all this stuff that's going on as coronavirus numbers are, are continuing to rise again and there's, certain, there's uncertainty about the schools and if kids are gonna be online only or you're gonna be home and how long that will be. Um, I just began to, to talk to him and I said this, this phrase and I think most of you have probably said this phrase and it's real simple, I'm over it. Is anybody in the house over it? Come on, if you're just, oh, can we just say it together on three? Say I'm over it on three. One, two, three, I'm over it. Now, I don't know what it is for you, but for me, I'm over it. And I'm over the coronavirus. I'm over wearing a mask. I'm over the election. I'm over the negativity. I'm over the news. I'm over Tennessee Vols football. I'm tired of them sucking. I ain't gonna lie. Like, I'm over it, right? And I think the truth is, is we all are over it. That's kind of what I heard God say. So the title of the message today is I'm over it. And, uh, and I wanna talk about this, and I don't wanna just go to negative town on you, but um, the... The thing that's really kind of getting me frustrated and I'm really just over is all the negativity that you see in the world. And um, there's this persuasive message um, in the world right now that like this is like the world as we know it and it'll never be different and this is our new reality and it'll never change, it'll never get better. People are, people are dying, uh, jobs are getting lost, right? There's all of these things happening. And the truth is, is there are real issues happening right now that, if we're all just being really honest, um, we're overwhelmed. And so maybe like me, you, you found yourself in this season of you've gotten a little bit more frustrated. Like, I don't know if there's ever been a season in my life where I have been so quick to react 
Um, I've never found myself so easily angered or frustrated. I found myself on edge. Anybody been there, right? It's like this season is just kind of taking a toll on all of us. And for some of you, it's different than others, right? Like to be real, I, I think even outside, like back up and, and pull away from maybe the coronavirus combo or the political combo. But for some of us, before this thing ever happened, you were already dealing with loneliness. You were already battling anxiety. You were already trying to work through depression. For some of you, your marriage was on the rocks, is on the rocks. For others of you, you may have already lost your job. For others of you, you may have graduated college and you're still trying to find a job. Like there's, there's things in all of our lives that tend to overwhelm all of us, right? And no matter what it is, there's, there's this reality that we gotta, we gotta learn how to deal with. And, and, I don't, and I don't mean to make a hard statement here, but the thing that I've been wrestling with is just because I'm over it doesn't make what I'm over, over. Like just because I can go, I'm over it, I'm over it. That doesn't mean that like the thing that I'm over is actually over. Like the reality is that we still got to deal with our current situation, our current season, our everything else that's going on. And, and there's just this message where it's so easy for us to get sucked into all of the negative in the world. Like I've never had to fight so much in my life to have a positive attitude. Anybody? Like I've never had to just fight to really be positive and have faith. And so the question is, I want to talk about today is, is how do we stay positive in a world of negative? Like how, how do you and I have this mentality that we don't have to, like, we don't have to go there. And I really do believe that God is calling you and I to be optimistic. And it's important that we understand that because a negative outlook will never lead to a positive life. How many of you know that? A, never, a negative outlook will never lead to a positive life. And so then how do we remain, how do we remain positive? And that's what I wanna talk about today. And, and, and really there's this passage I'm gonna zone in on in just a few minutes, but I, I wanna talk about it because whatever gets our attention determines our direction. And I just think if we're honest right now, like every time we open an app, every time we flip on the news, it's just like overwhelming sense of just like, man, the world is going to hell in a handbasket and everything else, right? Like if, you, if you've ever, how many of you like tend to watch the news? Good, me neither. Okay, so no, I, 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 I try like, just to be honest, like I wanna stay updated. I wanna know kind of what's going on, but I've never sat and watched the news or read articles hours and hours on end. And at the end of it was like, wow, I feel so much better. God is so good. I'm excited about life. Like, I just don't do that. And neither do you, right? And, and so what you feed your mind really matters. And, and I wanna make sure that you and I can have this confidence and expectation and really an optimistic view of the future. And, and I wanna talk about what optimism is because for some of us, we know people who call themselves optimistic, but really they're just naive. And so to define optimism, I want to first define what it's not. Optimism is not just um, naive. It's not just a, a denial of reality. It isn't just, I'm going to put my head in the sand and pretend like nothing is going on. That's not what it means to be optimistic. It's not just blind faith. Optimism, if you look up the definition, is a confidence about the future or successful outcome. 
And, and so what I want to do is I want to add a little bit of weight to that definition. I want to add a definition in of what spiritual optimism is, of what spiritual optimism is. So if you have a notebook, you're going to want to write this down. If you didn't know, if you take notes, 98% of people who take notes get to heaven. And, uh, and if you have a notebook, you can write it down on your phone. But here's spiritual optimism, um, and this is just how I would define it. It's an unwavering confidence or expectation that our loving God is working every situation for our future good. So when I say as followers of Jesus, many of us, God is calling us to have an optimistic view, believing and having an unwavering confidence and expectation that he is going to work out every situation for our good. And you see this in a, in a verse in Romans chapter eight that many of you are familiar with. Um, and you probably have it on a coffee mug somewhere. Or somebody's quoted it to you at times when you understand and that that's helpful. But this idea of believing this and having this spiritual optimism comes from Romans chapter eight and verse 28. Here's what it says. It says, for we know that in all things, somebody say all things. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Let me pause there. It says he works in all things. Say all things. All things, even your financial setback. All things, even your annoying in-laws at Christmas. Come on, somebody, different sermon. Even you having to have your kids be at home and try to learn school when they were already having a hard enough time learning school before. Even in your doubt, even in your fear, even in your dysfunction, even, even in all things, he works together for what? For the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. And what I wanna do is, is I wanna talk about this because I think for some of us, we, we've heard it, we've seen it, we've quoted it, but it's really hard to believe it. And it's really difficult in a world of negativity to remain positive, to remain hopeful in life. And, and so here, here's why this is important. Um, and, and I want you to just maybe take an audit, a step back today. And I want to do an audit of what you think about. I want you to pause and I want you to think about what you think about. I want you to think about how you think about the future. Like if you find yourself anxious, if you find yourself overwhelmed, if you find yourself unnerved, this message is for you. Um, because whatever consumes your mind controls your life. Like whatever consumes your mind controls your life. Proverbs 23, seven says, as a man thinks in his heart, as a person thinks in his heart, so he becomes. And so the quality of your life will never exceed the quality of your thoughts. And so for some of, I wanna help us think differently. And I can't make these promises that I'm gonna be able to give you a formula and get you out of the circumstance you're in. That's not the goal today. And the goal today is to help you shift your focus. It's real simple to shift your focus off of your circumstance and onto Christ. Because we all have things that are overwhelming us, all of us. And if you don't now, you will one day. We have these moments that are out of our control and we don't know what to do. We don't know how to think. We don't know where to go. We, we don't know who to talk to. And we find ourselves overwhelmed and, and we find ourselves confused. And if you're in that state right now, there's two people I wanna really warn you about um, to talk to, to not talk to, I should say, if you find yourself overwhelmed. The first person is the person who says it's gonna be okay all the time. It's just like, you're like, hey, or it's not a big deal, I'm sorry. Like, 
if, if you're like, hey, I'm really dealing with this, like, ah, oh, it's not a big deal. Don't the people get on your nerves? If they don't get on your nerves, it's probably you. It's okay, we love you. But like, it's like everything you say, no matter what it is, no matter how extreme it is to you, like, oh, I gotta have back surgery. Oh, that's not a big deal. Well, to me, it's a big deal. You ain't gotta go under the knife. I do, that's a big deal. The second person is the one who always one-ups your story and you, you get vulnerable and you're like, hey, I gotta tell you something. And this is just a, a deep, dark conviction or, or problem in my life. And I wanna open up and, and I've really been struggling with blank. And they look at you, they're like, oh, well, let me tell you my story. And then they go in for an hour. And by the end of the hour, you just like wanna go lay in the parking lot as a speed bump, right? You're just like, you're like, dude, I, I just, can I just be, can I be honest? Can I just be open about like what I'm dealing with and you not make it all about you all the time? And so the truth is though, is like, you, you don't wanna talk to those types of people. And, and I would define them this way. And I don't, I don't mean to be negative towards negative people, but be careful to not have a view of pessimism. Now, what is pessimism? Pessimism is to believe the worst will happen. It's a lack of confidence or hope in the future. So just like I gave you a, a spiritual definition of optimism, let me give you a spiritual definition of pessimism. Pessimism, if, if it's to believe the worst will happen and a lack of hope or confidence in the future, when you and I, especially as followers of Jesus, when we're, when we're pessimistic in our, out, in our outlook, in our views, essentially what we're saying is, God, I don't believe who you really say you are and I don't believe you'll do what you said you'll do. And he doesn't call you and I to think that way, to live that way. And so then how do we get over what we're over? I think it starts with us backing up and we go, hey, what am I thinking about? Let me ask you, what consumes your thoughts? Because whatever consumes your thoughts tends to control your life. What, what consumes it? Like, are you listening more to the media than you are hearing from God? What is shaping your mind? What, what are the lens in which you view the world? Are you viewing the lens through a red lens, Republican? Are you viewing the world through a blue lens, Democrat? Are you viewing the lens, the world through the lens of the gospel and who Jesus says you are? Remember, we're Christian first. And so how are you, how are you thinking about the future? Where is your hope? Is your hope found in Jesus or is your hope found in a president? And I'm just telling you, if the answer is anything other than Jesus, you'll never be at peace. It won't happen because it always changes. It always shifts. And so if you find yourself lacking peace in this season, it might be because you've placed your peace in the wrong place or the wrong person. And so for some of us, we need to learn how to set some boundaries on how much we consume the media or consume the news. I'm not saying be ignorant. I'm not saying put your head in the stand and act, sand and act like nothing's wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But for me, like I limit it to like an hour max per day. Like I don't wanna know anything more than an hour because then I just start getting negative. I start getting sad. I start having fear. I'm overwhelmed with things of like, I don't know what to do. Um, for some of you, it's not just doing an audit on like what you're watching, it's who you're talking to because your friends shape your future. And so for some of us, we need to check our circle, especially before you go into the holiday. Like, let me just give you a piece of advice from my own family drama. 
it's probably not a good idea to talk about certain things at the dinner table. And I'm just gonna leave it at that. Like if you just, if you wanna be real frustrated real quick, just start opening up that conversation. And a lot of times what we'll try to do is we'll try to defend something in order to convert someone. And that's fine, I'm not telling you, look, do what you wanna do. But what I am gonna tell you is that our God doesn't need defending. Like, if you're gonna talk about God, do it in such a way where, like, let God defend himself. He doesn't need us to do that. He is who he is, whether people agree with it or not. And, and so how do we then do this? How do we overcome? How do we get over what we're over? Well, I wanna talk to you just really quickly about, for me, how I've handled this in this season, how I've thought, like, because it is so difficult, y'all, to like, it is so difficult for me to remain positive. It's so difficult for me to know what to do. Like on one hand, like I'm, I'm praying through like, okay, what's the safest thing for our church? What's the best thing for our church? And on one hand, I got people mad at me because we're meeting in person. I got other people mad at me because we may have to go online in the future. I got some people who say, well, you just believe the media. Some people say, you're just ignorant to the media. I got both sides. So like, I have to deal with this just like you do in your life. And, and so then how do we do it? How do we remain positive in a world of negative? Here's what God has taught me, and I, and I pray it's helpful for you. Real simple, write it down. You have to feed your faith, and you gotta starve your fear. You gotta feed your faith and starve your fear. Why? Because what you feed grows, and what you starve dies. Like what you feed grows, and what you starve dies. And so are you feeding your faith? Like, are the people in your life pouring gasoline on your faith so that you can grow? Or are they extinguishing the flame in your heart and ultimately so that you can be miserable? Like, who, who's around you? What are you letting into your mind? And so what I do in order to feed my faith, in order to remain positive, to, to not be overwhelmed and consumed by everything, what I do is I feed my faith. And here's what that means, because I can tell you, feed your faith. And you're like, I don't know what that means, bro. Is that like eating food at Thanksgiving? What does that mean? So what I want to do is I want to take you through the process that I go through. And I like to just to find a really rich portion of scripture and just spend time in it. I'm not talking about, and there's nothing wrong with this. I'm not talking about just checking off my devotional for the day. But what I wanna do is I wanna spend time in the scriptures until the scripture gets into me. I wanna spend time and I'm gonna read it over and over and over until it changes my mind. Because Romans 12 tells me that the way that you and I are transformed by, it's by renewing the way that we think. And, and so what I like to do, let's take a passage, for instance, in Romans chapter eight. It's where our, our, our verse is from today. Let's go to Romans chapter eight and, and just think about the first thing I do when I look at Romans eight is I look at the context. Somebody say context. Here's why it's important, because context gives clarity and it matters. And what we like to do is we like to pick verses that sound good and make us feel good out of their context and apply them in life where they really don't apply. And we're really good at this. We just like cut the parts out of our Bible we don't like. And we pick the stuff we want that encourages us all the time. And so what I wanna do is I wanna first study the context. I wanna ask the question like, who wrote this? Who, did, who is he writing it to? Why did he write it? What's going on in the world around him? What's going on in his life or her life? Like, what is the context? And so if you do this with Romans chapter eight, you're gonna find that Paul is, is, Paul is the author and he is writing to the church in Rome. 
And it's important to know what's going on in his life. And so in best to understand Romans chapter eight, guess what you do? You go to Romans chapter seven. Come on, somebody. Because when you open up Romans 8, one, it says, therefore. And the thing I learned in seminary was that anytime you see the word therefore, you ask the question, what is the therefore, therefore? And so I'm gonna back up and I'm gonna go, okay, if he's saying therefore, what's he talking about? Because he's concluding something. So then I'm gonna back up to Romans seven and in Romans seven, I find a lot of comfort because Paul is writing about how jacked up he is and it helps me feel a little bit better about how jacked up I am, okay? So I like to read that and what you'll see in Romans chapter seven, verse 15, if you study the context and read through this passage, what you'll see Paul write is he says this, I don't really understand myself. Anybody there? Just five, okay, well, that's fine. I don't really understand myself for I wanna do what is right but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I'm gonna ask you again, anybody else there? Amen. I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Then he says this, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I wanna do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Here's a good question. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Come on, somebody. Anybody thankful for that truth? Who will free me from this life dominated by by sin and death, dominated by anxiety, dominated, dominated by what's overwhelming us. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so he says this, and then you start to see when he gets to this reality, when he focuses in on who Jesus is, his perspective starts to shift. And that's why he writes in Romans chapter eight, verse one, he says, therefore there is now no, say no, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And, and I don't know what you walk in with today. I don't know if you can identify with Paul when he says, I, I want to do good, but I do what I hate. Like I just seem to continue to mess up. And oftentimes what religion will do is it will tell you that it's your fault. Get your stuff together. Read more, do more, show up more, go confess to somebody, all that. And that's great. But you know what I love about Jesus? It says, therefore, now, now there is no condemnation. So oftentimes we walk in and we have been condemning ourselves, beating ourselves up. And the truth is Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. Jesus came to save the world. And so you don't have to walk around living your life condemned when Jesus died so that you didn't have to live your life condemned. So he says, therefore, there's now no no one who is condemned in Christ Jesus. And then you'll, you'll read on and it says that if you'll focus on the spirit, you'll have peace. And then he reads this in, in Romans eight fifteen. the spirit, as he talks about, he says this, he says, the spirit you received in Christ, the moment you gave your life to him, you're given the Holy Spirit. The spirit that you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. 
See, you and I can have this unwavering confidence that our loving God will work all things together for my good and for his glory because of Jesus. That you and I can have this confidence. We can be optimistic. We can even be excited about the future. And Romans 8, 15 says that there's this spirit that lives inside of us that causes us, enables us, enacts in us something where you and I don't have to live in slavery. We don't have to live afraid. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live overwhelmed. But instead, because of what Jesus did, you and I can live hopeful. You and I can live grateful. But there's the spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, if you were in Christ, lives inside of you. And so what I like to do is I just like to sit there and I'll read it and I'll read it and I'll read it. And if you keep going, go to verse 18, Romans 8, 18. It says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I love that scripture. I'm gonna read it again. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth Comparing are not worth it, are not worth it, are not worth comparing. Our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And I'll just read it again and again and again and again until not just I know it, I believe it. And I'm gonna set that in my, in my spirit and go, you know what? I have found myself comparing where I'm at today compared to where I was back then. And there's a part of me that wishes I could go back to the past because it seemed a little better. But then I remember that when I was in my past, I couldn't wait to get to the future. And now the very things I used to complain about, I'm actually seeing come to pass in my life. But now I found something new to complain about. And so he's saying, listen, your present sufferings are nothing, not comparable to the glory given to you in Christ. So then it makes me wonder, I started to ask this question. How can Paul say that? Paul don't know nothing about no coronavirus. Paul don't know nothing about trying to have kids up in the house when you're trying to work from home and they got to learn education stuff or you got a nine to five job and you don't know who's going to teach your kids and you're hoping they don't fell out and everything else, right? Paul don't know that. How could Paul say it don't compare? He don't know. So then you dig and you go, well, what, what was the sufferings Paul was talking about? What was going on in his life? How does he have the faith? How could he say that? So you start digging in and you start reading about Paul's sufferings and what he went through. Paul went to prison multiple times. Paul had got beaten five different times with 40 lashes. Some of us know about that with them old school parents, Right? We were beaten three times with rods, been there too. Uh, he was stoned, not that kind of stoned. Stoned, stoned, sorry. Stoned with rocks, okay. Not that kind of stone. I don't know if he got that kind of stone. I don't know. Anyway, uh, he was shipwrecked. He, he spent all night on a log, lost at sea. He was betrayed. He was beaten. He was left for dead. Now, if you want to say that your life is really difficult, that's fine. But you want to compare it to Paul, it gets a little humbling, doesn't it? I don't think any of us have experienced the things Paul said, yet he has this ability to go, it's nothing compared to what the glory is to come. He has a hope that's rooted in something deep, deeper. And so my question is like, where are you hurting? Where are you struggling? Where are you fighting to have faith? Where are you fighting to just remain positive? Like, I love what Jesus says. He says to come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, who carry heavy burdens, 
Come to me, give them to me, and you will find rest for your soul. And some of us, the reason we don't have rest for our soul is because we're taking our burdens to the wrong place. You're taking them to a place that you think will give you rest, but it won't. Alcohol, it ain't gonna give you rest. Drugs, ain't gonna give you rest. Gossip, ain't gonna give you rest. Instagram, ain't gonna give you rest. The news, sure as heck ain't gonna give you rest. It may make you wanna go to sleep and not wake up for a while, but it ain't gonna give you rest. It's not gonna give you peace in your soul. The only thing that will give you peace in your soul is Jesus and Jesus alone. And he has this way in which he takes whatever the enemy meant for evil and he turns it for good. He has this way in which even though you and I don't see him working and feel him working and we hate our circumstance and we're praying that he changes it, what he says is that if I'm working it for your future good, that means that the pain you're experiencing today will provide the strength you need to get through tomorrow. He doesn't waste the season. And you know how I know this? Because in this season, I have never prayed more in my entire life. Anybody with me? I know we hate it. I know you got other things going on that are even bigger than some maybe catching a virus. Like, I get it. But you know, I hate this season. I'm over it. But I've never trusted God more. I've never had to lean on him more. Am I saying God calls this? Absolutely not. But what I am saying is he'll use it. If you will run to him to find your peace, his promise is, is that you'll find it, that you'll find it. So this is what I do. I'm just trying to be practical here of like how I feed my mind and my spirit and my heart so that I can continue to press forward and have faith in God. And then I love what he says next. He says, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. He helps us in our weakness. Anybody ever felt weak before? Me too. We don't know what we ought to pray for, been there, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless, wordless groans. So even when you don't know what to say, even though you don't have all the eloquent words to pray and you don't sound that spiritual or feel that spiritual, understand that your groaning and your desire, God is able to translate and understand what's going on. And he says, the Spirit helps us. Do you know what it doesn't say, despite the stupid Christian cliche that somebody came up with, where it says that, God helps those who helps themselves. That's not true. God helps those who need help. Stop believing that God helps those who help themselves and well, I gotta somehow do the right thing and in order, if I do the right thing, then God will help me. No, he doesn't. God will help you before you ever do the right thing. It says the spirit helps us in our weakness, not in our strength. Not when you finally get it together and like, I'm gonna get better today. No, no, no. At your weakest moment, at your lowest moment, in your, in your loneliness, in your anxiety, in your depression, that's when the Spirit says, I'm here to help. So don't believe the lie that God is some distant God far off that you can't talk to and that he don't understand. Even if you ain't got the words to say, sometimes you just need to learn to sit in his presence and know that the Spirit helps you in your weakness. And then we get... To Romans 8, 28. And he says, and we know that in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. And again, I still go, I believe it, Paul, but it's hard. I believe it, but 
I don't know, like, is that really going to help me get over what I'm over? Is it really going to help me have peace? Is it really going to help me be positive when the world is negative? Like, yes. And here's why. Paul knew three things that I think you and I need to know. And the first one is this. God is greater than any circumstance you're going through. What does he do? He fixes his eyes on Jesus, on Christ, rather than his circumstance. And he says that no matter what I go through in this life, my God is greater. So no matter what you're dealing with right now, I'm not minimizing it. Just understand you have a God who is greater. No sin, no temptation, no thought, no addiction. Nothing is too great for our God. Amen. Second thing he knew is that God is able. Somebody write, somebody say God is able. He's able. He's all powerful. He's omniscient. He's all knowing. He's, he's our ever present help in our time of need. He is able to get you through whatever you're going through. He's able. I love what it says in Ephesians chapter three, when Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, it's one of my favorite scriptures. It's been my prayer. It says now to him who is able, say able to do abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be the glory in the church of Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever, amen. To him who is able to do abundantly above all, not some, all you ask, imagine or think. This is why we can have a unwavering confidence that our God can and will work all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So so Paul knew and we need to know that our God is greater than the circumstance. He is able to pull us through. And and we need to get this, this really in our spirit that he's... He's never going to stop. He's never going to stop loving you and I. He's never going to quit. He's, he's our ever-present help. He's going to continue to be there. And so I just, I want to I try to focus in on this last part because I think it is, I think it is very important. Is that God is working. And I love that. He's working. He's working. Not one day, not back then. It says that God works, present tense. He's not just a back then God, he's a right now God. Right now, he's working. Right now, he's working. So whatever it is you are worrying about, he is already working out. I'm gonna say that again for the people in the back. Whatever you are worried about, God is already working out. He is in control. He's he's able, He's, he's working. He is greater than anything in your life. Anything that you can come, anything the enemy can throw against you. And so if you're hurting right now, God is your comfort. If you're confused, 
He is your God. If you're discouraged, He is your hope. If you're anxious, He is your peace. If you are weak, He is your strength. And if you're over it and you find yourself living in fear, take heart, don't be discouraged, have some hope because whatever it is that you're over, you need to understand God is already over it. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. God is over it. He's over it. Whatever it is, you can have a confidence in knowing that my God is already over it. That nothing's too great, that he's able, that he's working. He is already over it. And what I love most is that you and I, because of Christ, if you are in Christ, Jesus dying for your sin in your place, in Christ, you and I are over it. I'm over it. Turn to the person next to you say, I'm over it. I'm over it. Why? Because you and I in Christ, we together are over it. And I love what John 16, says, where he says, listen, in this life, you're gonna have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. Jesus is already over it. Nothing happens without first passing through his hand, which means he is still and always will be in control. And so what shall we say in response to these things? Romans 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him give us, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? It is written for your sake. We face death all day long, but we are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. You're more than a conqueror. You're already over it. So don't let the troubles of this life overwhelm you. Why? Because I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor demons, nor things in the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. For I am convinced that our God is greater. I am convinced that he is working. I'm convinced that he is able. So let me just say this to you. If it ain't good, God ain't done. He's working it out. If it ain't good, God ain't done. He's able. And I'm convinced that you and I can have an unwavering confidence and hope in knowing that our loving God will work all things, say all things, all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Amen. So here's what I want to do. I, I would love for you to stand with me and, uh, and I just wanna have the opportunity to pray with you and over you. When you walked in today, there's a connect card on your seat. And on that connect card on the bottom, it, 
It asks how we can pray for you. And I think for all of us, no matter what you think your next step may be, I think all of us could use some prayer. All of us have things going on in their life. And so I just would encourage you, let us know how we can pray for you. Because when we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. And there are situations that are far too great for any man, but nothing is too great for God. And so we just wanna pray for you. For others of you, your next step may be, you need to check your circle. And you've been surrounding yourself with people who have been causing you to feel more anxiety, more overwhelmed. And you need a community of people who are gonna build your faith, who are gonna feed your faith and starve your fear. You need a church that's gonna walk with you through some things and understand that there is no condemnation in Christ. I say it every week. This is a place you can belong before you believe. You do not have to have it all together to belong here. Why? Because in Christ, none of us do. In Christ, we've overcome. In Christ, we're forgiven. In Christ, we're loved. Who am I to separate you from the love of Christ? Because my Bible tells me that no one can. For others of you, it's to give your life to Jesus for the first time. Maybe you've been putting your hope in something other than him. Maybe for some of you, you thought you could earn your salvation by how much good you do, by how many times you pray, by how many times you go talk to somebody on your behalf, how many times you give. Ephesians 2 tells us that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus alone, not by your works so that no one can boast. So today you need to Decide today, what's your response? Do you wanna give him your life? For others of you, you've made that decision and your faith has been private and today is the day you go public with your faith through baptism. And baptism isn't salvation, by the way. Baptism is our way of outwardly expressing that we have a relationship with Jesus. This isn't what saves you, Jesus saves you. What baptism is, is the same thing as what my wedding ring is. I'm married whether I take this off or not, but I wear it so that the world knows I'm taken. And so baptism is our way of saying, hey, I've been saved and I'm gonna let the world know that I belong to Jesus. And so for some of you, you're like, look, I ain't got clothes. I ain't trying to do all that. We've already removed that excuse from you. We got towels, we got shirts, we got shorts, we got whatever you need if this is your next step to be able to take that today. So I'd love to pray for you. And if that's you, by the way, you wanna get baptized or if you signed up to be baptized, uh, during my prayer, if you would, you can just go out the back doors. Somebody from our guest experience team will walk you around. If you wanna make that decision today, you too can go out the back doors to walk you around, get you changed, and then we'll celebrate together, amen? Hey, pray with me. We stretch your hand towards heaven. God, thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you work all things together for the good. We thank you that we can find our peace in you. We can come to you. And so right now, God, I ask that anyone under the sound of my voice who doesn't have a relationship with you, who's never experienced your grace, your free gift of forgiveness, God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that they would receive that free gift so they can be saved, God, so that they can experience true peace and true joy and true forgiveness so that they can be made right with you. And so if that's you and you've never made that decision today, I would love for you to pray this with me. And I'm gonna ask that all of us pray together out loud for the benefit of those who are coming to Christ today for the first time. We all pray this with me, say, God, I love you. I believe you died on the cross for me. You rose from the grave so that I can be forgiven and free. Today, I give you my life. Today, I put my trust in you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, 
Amen. Hey, put your hands together for everybody who made that decision today. Come on. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. If it encouraged you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to stories at renovation.church. And if you'd like to partner with us financially and help us continue to reach people all over the world, you can do that by going to our website, renovation.church. Have a blessed day.